pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. Your number one source for all the league's top headlines. Here's your host, Justin Kinner. All right, everybody, welcome in Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. I'm Justin Kinner, excited to be bringing you another podcast this week. I love our guest, all right, Max Hooper, played for Greg Campy and the Oakland Golden Grizzlies years ago, now part of the Los Angeles Lakers coaching staff, was just a part of the coaching staff in this most recent Lakers team that won an NBA championship. So our conversation with Max, he's going to take us down memory lane during his time with the Oakland Golden Grizzlies, what it was like playing for Greg Campy, and he's even going to take us in to his time with the Los Angeles Lakers, how he even came about that job, how he got into that position, and also taking us behind the scenes and giving us some some great stories about how intense the Los Angeles Lakers practices really are. Some really cool LeBron James stories as well. Just a reminder that today's interview is brought to you by health and wellness company Zervita, changing lives for the better through nutritional and performance-based products and opportunities. In just a second, we'll get to our conversation with Max Hooper, but just a reminder, make sure you go and subscribe and download the Reach the Horizon podcast. You could find it in your Apple iTunes store, Google Play store. You could find it on SoundCloud. You can find it on the Horizon League website at wingam.com for our ESPN radio affiliate here in Dayton, Ohio, where I host the podcast from. So there are many different places you can access this podcast, and I highly suggest you do. If you missed last week's episode, I highly suggest you go back and listen to that one. How about Dick Vitale? That was such a fun interview to do. He took us down memory lane, took us back to his coaching days with Detroit. He talked about what it meant to have the court dedicated to him, his name plastered on the court. Um, it was just a really fun conversation to have. My favorite part was when he said he sometimes thinks about how he regrets leaving Detroit to take the Detroit Pistons job. He oftentimes thinks that had him and his coaching staff stayed together and stuck it out at Detroit and continued to build on the success that he had, he truly felt that Detroit, who although was not in the horizon league at that time, he truly felt that Detroit at that time could have basically developed into a Gonzaga of the Midwest. That's a strong statement, and I thought it was very interesting uh, for him to share that with us. So if you missed the interview with Dick Vitale, I highly suggest you go back and take a listen. But let's get to today's conversation with Max Hooper, former Oakland Golden Grizzlies guard, now part of the Los Angeles Lakers coaching staff, and he takes us behind the scenes of his time with the Oakland Golden Grizzlies as well as this most recent championship season, impacted by COVID, of course, but with the Los Angeles Lakers. Here's Max Hooper. Uh, but I want to kind of stay in the NBA lane a little bit that also crossovers back into the Horizon League tale as well by bringing on our next guest. Again, former Oakland Golden Grizzly, uh, part of the Lakers coaching staff now, and Max Hooper. Uh, Max, we welcome you in. I appreciate your time today. How are you? Man, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure to connect. It's a pleasure to hop on the show. Thanks for having now, me. Now, I remember watching uh, many of your games uh, years ago and thinking how much fun it looked like you're always having because you go like you kind of played a little bit ahead of your time right like the way you played is how a lot of teams and players play now you were a three-point first type of guy in fact you were only a three-point shooter 
Talk about that style and how fun it was to play that because, of course, nowadays you got to do the grunt work. You got to try to play inside. You got to take guys off the dribble. You just had to worry about shooting the ball. How fun was that? Yeah, I mean, Oakland University, it's a uh, coach Kempe, he's been there for so long. You know, uh, his offensive style is exciting. You know, he's had teams, you know, my team led the nation in scoring. You know, he's, he's had team who puts up teams who put up points. So it's a fun system to play in. And when you're his guy, you're his three-point shooter, you know, he wants you to shoot the ball. He wants you to have ultimate confidence and he believes in you. And then he, you know, he creates the culture that everyone, everyone else believes in you. The fans believe in you. Your teammates believe in you. The coaching staff believes in you. So you think every shot you're taking is going in. You know, when especially when you're you're rolling like that. And I mean, like you said, you know, the three point um, explosion has happened. I mean, I felt like we were in the midst of it when I was playing in, in 2016. But now it's like even, even exploded even more, like you said. So, um, you know, the Houston Rockets are pushing limits and then everyone else is following suit. So, uh, you know, I was just doing what my job that was my job on that team to make shots and to shoot a lot of them, as many as I could. Um, so it, uh, I suppose it was ahead of its time. But, you know, it's only <laughs> been four years, so it's not, I'm not that far removed from it. So I didn't mean to age you by any means. No, I no, promise no. you I that much. So. <laughs> hey, you know, so anyway, I want to get back into that coming up here in a moment, but I'm curious. So you started, out, you, you started out at Harvard. You transferred to St. John's and ended up at Oakland. I mean, that's quite the, the triangle right there. Greg Campy is one of my all-time favorite coaches, all-time favorite personalities, one of my all-time favorite interviews. Uh, what was it about Greg Campy that was such a draw for you? Again, you're from California, and you weren't going to Oakland, California. So what was it about uh, Greg Campy, Coach Campy, that really made you feel comfortable uh, to play you know, in, you know, at Oakland for as long as you did? Well, that was the confusion with everyone. They said, oh, congrats, you're going back home. You're going to be – your family's going to get to see you play every game. I'm like – and no, uh, no, not at all. We're not going to sunny California. We're going to, you know, Rochester, Michigan, where we're going to be freezing our butt off. But, you know, I'm going to be in it. Like I said, like I touched on already, you know, going to be in a system um, where I'm going to get to be where my skill set is valued. You know, you go back to the Travis Baders, um, the Eric Kangas is I guess this is pre Horizon League Oakland. But, um, you know, there's a long lineage of three point shooters. And then after myself, you know, Kendrick Nunn came along uh, a little bit different guy. But. Um, Coach Campy always has that type of guy in his system. And, you know, he, he always joked with me that he, I was the long the player he recruited for the longest because he recruited me coming out of high school and I chose to go to a prep school. He recruited me out of prep school. I chose to go to Harvard. I transferred from Harvard. I chose to go to St. John's. Finally, he said, you know what? I'm not recruiting you anymore. If you want to come, there's a scholarship with your name on it. But, you know, I'm not going to recruit <laughs> you anymore and sell you on this because this is where you should have been all along. And, you know, I probably feel that same way from a basketball perspective, but everything happens for a reason. You know, I have no regrets. I gave it everything I had on my journey. And, you know, with Oakland, it was just ultimately the fit, the fit, being a three-point shooter and being able to bring that to the table and um, having that be a, you know, that's a part of their offense that they rely on. And he needs for not only to get that player shots, but that's how he helps other players get shots is by using the threat of the three-point shooter to get other people's shots. 
All right, we have Max Hooper with us here. Former Oakland Golden Grizzlies shooting guard was also named the 2016 Horizon League Men's Basketball's Sixth Man of the Year. Good enough to hang out with us here. I know you're sick of hearing about this stat, but it is it's very unique. And I have a, another stat to counter it from a mod from a modern. I'm aging you again from a modern day player in the Horizon League. I, the only you're the only player in NCAA history. Uh, to attempt over 200 three-pointers without attempting a two-point shot. We talked about, you know, your arsenal, your your style. That, you know, is such a cool stat. But here's another one for you. There's a player in the Horizon League today. His name's Amari Davis. He plays for the Green Bay Phoenix. Shooting guards, it's all about shooting, right? It's all about, you know, the three-point shot. He averages 16 points per game. He just won freshman of the year in the Horizon League. He only attempted eight three-point shots the entire season. I can't believe that that stat to me is – it pops more to me now than – like your stat wouldn't pop out to me as much today in today's game as much as what his does just because guards are so, you know, obsessed with the three-point shot. He gets 16 a game as a freshman, one freshman of the year, only attempted eight all season long. By the way, he was 0 for 8. I think there's a reason he doesn't take those shots. <laughs> Yeah, sounds like a Ben Simmons, you know. Um, but, I mean, if you're scoring 16 a game, you know, I, I don't want to speak too much on the kid because I haven't seen his film or anything. But, you know, it sounds like he's unstoppable getting to the rim. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine so. You know, and, and what that is tied in, do what you do. Do what you do best, you know. Um, Cam Coach Campy had, like, a quote in an interview uh, when I, during my senior year. You know, he, he, what he said was, you know, Someone said, you know, everyone just says, oh, can't you just get a layup or can't you just, you know, get a fast break layup or take a mid-range jumper? And then Coach Campy, I mean, like you said, he's one of your favorite interviews. He's pretty blunt, you know, and mm -hmm. he says, no, he, he can't. That's not really in his skill set. He doesn't have the athleticism to do that. But, you know, if you try to stop what he what his strengths are and what he can do, it's going to be tough for you. Um, because, you know, people people see the stat. They think, oh, he's just a guy who just stands in a corner. You know, you guys like everyone can go watch, go back and watch the film. You know, I was moving around, sprinting yeah. off screens, knocking down off balance shots, and that you know those shots are tough to make because if 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 you only shoot threes, the other team knows what's coming. So you got to have a certain level of ingenuity, certain level of creativity, and really just a will to be like, I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do regardless of them knowing what's coming, but it's still gonna happen, and I'm gonna make 45% of them. So I mean, that was my mindset, you know a lot of confidence and, you know, probably bordering on cocky and just being having that swagger as a shooter. Cause you have to believe in yourself because if you, if you don't no one else is gonna, so that was kind of what was going through my head every time I stepped on the court. Yeah. Like I'm five, five, so I can't dunk. And I always ask people this, like what, what's a bigger rush in a game, like getting like a posterizing dunk or just going on a tear from behind the three point line. I've never dunked the ball, so I can't give an honest answer, but uh, some of my favorite games, and I had never played at a high level, but there is nothing better than a rush from when you're just feeling it from behind the three-point line. I'll take that rush over a dunk any day. May not have been a popular answer years ago, but today's game, I think that's a pretty fair assessment for most guards. Definitely. I mean, the three is a momentum, uh, you know, a momentum swinger, and yeah. what I like to say is three is greater than two. You know, at the end of the day, I was just doing math. You know, I, I want to put more, as many points as, on the board as I possibly can every time I shoot the ball and, you know, I, 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 you know, I don't like to speak on my, you know, three point streak without mentioning Kay Felder yes. and without mentioning Jalen Hayes, you know, these two guys who really helped me do what I did. And then I helped them do what they did. And it re really worked what's, uh, you know, synergistically really well together. Um, you know, Felder was able to break defenses down, get to the rim and, you know, one of the nation's leading scorers in his own right. 
And then Jalen Hayes, you know, he was a great screening partner with me because if I, if he's screening for me and then I'm coming off the screen, they both go to me. He's wide open. He's he's putting the ball in the rim. He's dunking on someone. And, you know, if I don't have a shot, I'm throwing it to him in the post. So we, we all worked really well together. We had really – it was the best team in my career that I played on that had um, role definition. Everyone's role was defined pretty much in the best way possible. And, you know, we were all just trying to be the best at what we did. Um, so I thought it was, a, you know, one of the best – well, it was the best offensive team I ever played on. How disappointing for it was you guys, you know, we went to Motor City Madness and you guys get, you know, the, the host site, you know, is in your hometown and you have a shot to be able to, you know, basically have a home court advantage. How disappointing was that, that, and honestly, no, either Detroit or Oakland has yet to be able to crack that. I know it's no longer Motor City Madness. It's in Indianapolis now, but how disappointing was that to never be able to crack that barrier, to be able to, to win that tournament or win a game during that stretch during Motor City Madness in front of what should have been your home court advantage. Yeah. Soul crushing, you know, um, you, you play in college basketball to go to the NCAA tournament. That's, that's why you, um, you know, most of the kids probably grow up watching March Madness, and that's that's why we put in the work. And you know, guys have professional aspirations, but the the the, the crowning achievement for a mid major school is to get that tournament bid. Um, and you know, that was our goal. My first year, we didn't really have much of a shot. My second year, we were number two in the horizon. We felt like we were the best team, and we felt like no matter who we faced, we were we were uh, we were a good matchup for them. Wright State, who we beat multiple times by double figures during the season. We had their number, and you know, when it when uh, everything mattered, we didn't we didn't deliver. And you know, it uh, that's that's one thing that definitely still bugs me to this day as a competitor. You know, because you uh, that's why you do it. And we didn't quite get there, but you know, it was a hell of a journey with that group of guys. Yeah, that atmosphere for that game too. I live in Dayton. I cover Wright State. Uh, I remember being at that game, walking into Joe Louis Arena, and I'm like, "Oh man, this is cool!" Like the atmosphere was awesome. Uh, it wasn't the result you wanted, but just there was just a buzz in the arena that night for that matchup. Uh, people really wanted, obviously, to see you guys get to that title game and, and win it there. Uh, but yeah, it definitely was a flat feeling moving forward to that building when you guys couldn't advance. Uh, but I'll never forget that that was one of the best atmospheres for a Horizon League game that I've attended, especially for it being a host site like that. It was pretty cool. Not the result you wanted, though, obviously. <laughs> yeah, high level, high level environment. You know. I credit Coach Billy Donlin, who I've gotten to know a little bit after the fact. You know, they they scouted us. They scouted us at an extremely high level. They knew our stuff, um, and you know, the shots the shots didn't go in when we needed them to. So, you're you're peeling back old wounds for me right now. I I'm not yeah I'm bad at that right now. Yeah. <laughs> Max Hooper with us here and again talking about that was unfortunately your last game with the Oakland Golden Grizzlies. Now let's fast forward to now. Um, for one, congratulations. I've never interviewed on this podcast an NBA champion before, but you're the video coordinator for the Los Angeles Lakers. You guys just wrapped up what was probably the most bizarre NBA season in its history. Uh, just talk about that for you. The video coordinator for the Lakers, talk about how you got into that role. When did you decide that you wanted to pursue the, the coaching route, and how did this Lakers position open up for you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I played in the NBA G League for a year when I graduated and then I played professionally in Canada. So two years as a pro, um, my goal was the, to play in the NBA as it is for every everyone. And I gave it my all. And, you know, as a player, I was always the person putting up 500 made three pointers a day, basically putting in as much work as possible, ex exhaustive, hard worker. And, you know, at a certain point, I felt like my work towards being a player wasn't giving to me the results I wanted. 
So I, one day I just kind of flipped that switch. I always knew I wanted to be a coach. So I flipped that switch and just said, hey, I want to become the best coach I can be. Started pouring my heart and soul into that. I was fortunate enough. I decided that um, pretty late. in uh, So in November 2018, so I didn't really have options to get on with college teams. But Brewster Academy is a prep school in New Hampshire that I played at. And Jason Smith, the head coach there, he gave me the opportunity to come back and coach and um, had an extremely high level team with, uh, I think, nine kids got Division One scholarships. One's already in the NBA and we won a national prep championship there. So that was my start in coaching and was really, really grateful to do that. But then, um, you know, in, in getting into the NBA, it's all about relationships. And I was fortunate enough that Miles Simon, he's uh, an assistant coach for the Lakers. He was my my skill development trainer in high school. So we go way back and we're, we're very close friends. And so he, he said there might be an opening in the video room. And I just, you know, pursued it, got in touch with the right people and it went through the interview process. And then finally, um, last August, so August, 2019, before the season, the Lakers gave me a call and I packed my bags from New Hampshire, Wolfboro, New Hampshire, and moved out to LA and then, uh, got an incredible experience in person from September to March, obviously COVID, um, put a damper in things, but had an, an, an amazing opportunity to be around pretty much the highest level um, of basketball in the world every day. Walk us through what are your responsibilities as a video coordinator? What is what's your communication like with other coaches? Uh, what is a, what is your day to day like for that? Because uh, that's a common position for a lot of up and coming coaches. A lot of coach, you know, some of the biggest names in coaching now started at that. You know, Eric Spolstra. You hear about you know his days with the Miami Heat in that position as well. I'm just curious, what is your day to day like? What are those responsibilities like? Sure. Um, well, pre COVID, you know, every day you're in you're in the gym early. Um, practice is around 10 or 11. So you're in the gym, 7, 8 a.m. Players will start to trickle in and then you're helping out on the court. You're rebounding, you're passing, you're playing defense on these guys, just taking them through, uh, helping the coaches put them through skill development workouts, getting them ready. And meanwhile, um, you know, if there's nothing going on, on the court, then you're, you're chopping up film. You're putting things together for, to prepare for coach Vogel, coach Jason Kidd, some of our assistant coaches, um, and then you go through practice, you're uh, helping out. You're, I mean, you're basically during practice, you're basically like a coach, you know, helping out with everything. And then as the second practice ends, you're back cutting up film, breaking down things. Um, you know, a big part of being a video coordinator in the video room is, is the preparation for the next opponent. So you're always looking to the next game. We um, look ahead five games on each opponent. So we're seeing what our opponent is doing in the five games leading up to when we play them. So we just have to our whole video room, we're putting together scouting reports. We're putting together different videos on other teams. So basically, so our coaching staff and our players are as prepared as they possibly can be for anything that these teams um, that they're co we're coming up to play are going to throw at them. So it's a it's a dual role. It's a video role, and then it's an on-the-court role. So there's two parts to it. Um, but, you know, I eat, sleep, breathe basketball. I yeah. love it. So um, – it's just a natural fit for me, and I felt like it always would be. So it's exactly what I want to do. Man, that's – I mean, like your story of like – I mean, again, you started a couple, you know, years professionally. Uh, you know, talk about the prep championship. But, I mean, your first, you know, true coaching opportunity at such a high level wasn't for a college or anything. I mean, it's with the Los Angeles Lakers, and here you are winning an NBA championship. 
how cool is that? I mean, at the end of the and I tell people this all the time because I know, like in sports media or you know, in your role right now, you got to be professional. You can't geek out when you're around like LeBron and others. But we were all fans of the game. That's how we fell in love with working in sports or you know, playing, coaching in your role or whatever. But how cool is that? I mean, is there, I mean, at what point did you walk into the gym and say, "Holy beep!" There's LeBron. There's Anthony Davis. I mean, that. I mean, even Jason Kidd. I'm sorry, Jason Kidd was one of my all-time favorite players growing up, and he's you know on your coaching staff right now. I mean, how cool is that for? That's a guy you looked up to growing up. He's a colleague now. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Incredible. I mean, and you know what you touched on was the guys currently there. When you walk in the Lakers practice facility up on the on the um, on the on the near the roof, all the jerseys: O'Neal, Bryant. Magic Johnson, Chamberlain, you know, it's like the greats of the greats and the championship trophies. So for me, it just makes me bring my A game every single day. I mean, I'm going to do that regardless, but for me, it just takes it to a little bit higher level. And what was really cool was my junior year at Oakland, Brandon Williams was our assistant coach and he was high school teammates with LeBron. So LeBron actually came to a couple of our games and when, once he pieced together who I was, he remembered like the three point um, streak story. And he, he had, we had a couple of cool conversations. And then as a former player, I, I had to be a practice player a lot this year. If guys were injured or guys who weren't really in the rotation needed to get some uh, conditioning. So they would play against me. And like, if I hit a shot or something, LeBron would make some comments. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was pretty cool. Really, really cool. You, a unique opportunity. Like you said, you know, um, you're, you're around LeBron and Anthony Davis. And it just so happened to be the year that, LeBron stayed healthy. It so happened to be the year that yeah. we got Anthony Davis. So I, uh, I'm spoiled, you know, in year one, I'm extremely spoiled. And like I said, I won a championship in, in, uh, in at Brewster Academy as well. So I'm two for two on championships. So I understand it doesn't always go this way when you first get started in coaching, but I'm grateful. I'm grateful, you know, stay humble and, but stay hungry at the same time. I mean, I'm going to ask one more geeky question here about this behind the scenes stuff, but like, what's the most intense, is there a story about a practice that you were just like taken back? I mean, you've played basketball your whole life. You know how competitive and intense practices can get, especially for a championship level team. What are, what's one story that you just memory you have of just one of the most intense practices that you were a part of that you're like, Oh, this is why he's LeBron. This is why he's Anthony Dave. This is why we have a chance to win a championship. What are some things that you would just remember from this season from an, an intensity standpoint of practices that it was unlike anything you've experienced before? Yeah. I mean, it, I think the, the casual fan will like the, the word on the street is like, Oh, NBA teams don't practice very hard or like, yeah. you know, NBA guys could just go through the motions. And I mean, there's 82 games a year. And, you know, some of these we had a veteran team. So sometimes that was true. Absolutely. Guys are probably not going as hard as they as they should be or probably going just as hard as they should be because they need to keep their legs fresh and everything. But there was a couple days, one in particular, when LeBron, I, I don't know if, you know, there was something in his milk that morning or he was just a little upset. And we did a, a mini scrimmage and. I couldn't even tell you the exact score, but it was a lot to a little. And he just took the team on his back. Basically, like the greatest you see of LeBron in games, but this was in a small, intimate practice environment. Dunk, you know, fly, high flying dunks, fadeaway jump shots, uh, pull up threes from from well behind the three point line, and just a uh, just a guy who was um, so motivated and you know, because like I said, sometimes you know he doesn't need to uh, kill his legs; he needs to t oh, yeah. take it a little bit easy and make sure his body's fresh for when the lights come on. But 
there was a couple practices when he really turned turned the dial up, and uh, you could just tell, like, man, I just kind of was, you know, standing on the sidelines, like, just <laughs> probably jaw on the floor a little bit. So, um, pretty pretty cool, cool to be around. Very no fortunate. Kidding. Like I said. Last thing, and I'll let you go. I appreciate you kind of, you know, taking us behind the scenes a bit. I think this is fascinating stuff. Um, you know, what when COVID hit, what was your role then? Were you in the bubble? Did you were you you a part of the group that got to be in the bubble? How did you, how much did your role change uh, when the NBA world came to a halt back in March? Yeah, unfortunately, um, I was not a part of the bubble. Um, I uh, I'm like I'm not our head video coordinator, but I'm a part of the video room. Um, so our head video coordinator went to the bubble, but the the guy the younger like he, he's been working in the NBA for quite some time now. But I just got started, so I'm a on the entry level, me and a couple other guys are in that same, same boat. So we went remote and, you know, we cranked out our work. We cranked out our scouting reports and everything. Um, and, but at that time we didn't know like what was going to happen. We didn't know like how long that was going to last or like what was going on. I guess once the bubble started, we knew it was going to go. But before that it was kind of, you know, just like wait and see. Um, so for safety precautions, I didn't get to go to the bubble. Would have been a pretty cool experience, especially cause we won the title. And, you know, you continue to get the on-court uh, experience, but, you know, just to be a part of it um, and to know that my, the work that I produced and helped with um, went into helping us win that title. I, I know our scouting reports had an impact because you have to be prepared. Yeah. Um, so uh, I was able to do it remotely, which is, we're in uncharted waters. This has never happened. We're in unprecedented times, but we uh, pivoted and made it work and, you know, just did the best we could. The Horizon League, a mid-major conference, uh, traditionally a one-bid league. They've had some, you know, historic seasons. We're back when Butler was here, you know, back-to-back, -back, you know, Final Four appearances, national championship appearances. You know, mid-major conferences get, uh, you know, a, a bad rap at times. It drives me up the wall, but you're prepping for an NBA Finals, and on the opposing roster, you have a Horizon League foe uh oakland oh another alum from oakland and kendrick nunn how special was that i mean for one you're prepping for an nba final so it's special as it is but then to see someone from your neck of the woods from from the horizon league from oakland another oakland alum how cool was that to, to be you know doing film prep um and film study on kendrick nunn as well as all his other miami heat teammates that had to be pretty cool pretty cool yeah absolutely it was a uh, kendrick really I mean, he started in preseason at 40 points in a game, you know, so he really put himself on the map this year. I think he had an average in about 15 was, uh, what was he, third in rookie of the year voting. So, I mean, that's an undrafted guy out of, like you said, a quote-unquote mid-major conference. But, you know, that conference has put out put out pros over the years. And, you know, him and Gordon Hayward are probably the, probably the best two that come to mind. But he's, uh, he's going to have a long career, and he showed that he deserves to have a long career, and he's a – He's super, super talented. Kind of like I, we started our conversation. He thrived from being in the offensive system that Greg Campy has at Oakland. You know, put up put up massive numbers, and it, it was pretty cool when the Heat played um, at at Staples Center against the Lakers. We, he and I got to uh, talk talk in person. You know, this was in November before COVID, and um, we connected for a little bit. So it's pretty cool to see a guy like that doing it at the highest of high levels. And um, really, really happy for him. I don't know him too well, but I, I've heard he's a, a really good guy. So really, really happy for him. All right. Uh, on on the way out, before my laptop dies, and I'm looking for a charger, so this is why it's looking all wonky. I apologize. You're good. Um, You're good, man.
But send us out with this. Just that what's next for you? Uh, are you back with the Lakers? I mean, kind of what what's next uh, for Max Hooper at this point? Yeah, a very uh, a very uh, precarious off season, a very short off season. But I yeah. did just get the call that I will be back, um, retained awesome. in the same role. So very very happy about that. Unfortunately, it's starting remotely, um, but very excited to be a part of it. And now it's time to chase another one. You know, you never, you, you, you got to be uh, insatiable. You got to, uh, once, once you get one, you, you got to get another one. So uh, training camp is coming soon. And um, like I said, just grateful to be a part of it again. And I, you know, I had to throw on the Lakers shirt. So focus 2020, that was our, uh, that was our slogan for this year. So who knows what the next slogan is, but whatever it is, we're focused on the championship again. All right, Max, I'm going to be bugging you here in the near future for more of these behind the scenes stories. I can't wait. So I really appreciate your time. Uh, This has been fun. Thank you so much again. Best of luck this coming up season. And uh, these will definitely be memories that will be unlike any other basketball season, I'm sure. So thank you so much for your time, Justin. Thanks. And hopefully we can do it again. Hope we were talking about another championship again, you know? It definitely would not be a bad thing. Hey, all right. Thank you so much, man. Take care. Appreciate you. Take care.